I'm Larry Anderson. I have the immense privilege of being one of the pastors here. Thank you for coming today. You know, someone asked me not too long, or said to me not too long ago, talking about the resurrection, that uh, he said, um, I didn't know there was anybody that still believed that. And which I thought was interesting because for more than 2,000 years, it's been the most scrutinized, uh, had the most attempts to uh, discredit, um, had the most research of, of any probably fact in human history, and still here we are. Uh, that the resurrection is true. It's been challenged so many times, and yet here we are because the resurrection is true. Because Christ, who died on a cross, rose again, and there is proof of that all around us, and we're here to celebrate that today. So we have that conversation, and then often after we have that part of the conversation, they'll, they'll say to me, well, if the resurrection is true, then why is the world so messed up? Why isn't it working better, right? And, and, and my response is really two parts. One is, you know, can you imagine the world without the resurrection? Can you imagine a world without Christ? Uh, without the schools and the hospitals and orphanages and all of the things that have been started in the name of Jesus, all the things that have been built because of uh, people who are followers of Christ. Can you imagine all of those things disappearing? Can you imagine a world without the resurrection? But then the other part of that is, is why it's so hard. You know, um, sometimes it's information that we don't want. What do you do with information that you really don't want to hear? And there was a critic of Christianity that said this one time. He said, the real problem with Christianity is that so few people have tried it. And that's what we want to talk about this morning with the resurrection. Why we should try, not to try it, but why we should give ourselves to it. Why we believe in the resurrection. Let's continue on with the story that we've started. We started earlier in John chapter 20. It says, on the evening of that day, on the, that, that evening that Christ rose from the grave, the, the very evening that, that Mary Magdalene saw Jesus and held on to him, that night, it says that the, the, the first day of the week, the doors were being locked, uh, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They were, fear, they were afraid of being crucified. They were fear, afraid of their own execution. Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. As Jesus appears to the disciples. You'll notice John says, and he's an eyewitness, that, that the doors were locked and they were in hiding. And suddenly there's Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is standing with them. And I'm sure it was a bit of a shock to them. And then he shows them his hands and he shows them his side and it says they were glad that Christ was alive, that they were back with Jesus. You see, they had given up everything to follow him. They had left homes, they had left jobs, they had left everything to follow Jesus because he was the Messiah. He was the chosen one. He was the one that was going to fix everything. He was going to right all of the wrongs. He was going to overthrow the Romans, establish his own government. They were going to help him lead it. All of that was their future. All of that was what they were looking forward to. And it all came crashing down when Jesus went to the cross. And now they were afraid. They were disillusioned until Jesus came and Jesus stood before them and said, touch my hands, touch my sides. And Jesus said this to them. And Jesus said again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Here are the words of Jesus. He, Jesus says to them, in spite of the fact that you're hiding, 
in spite of the fact that you ran in fear, in spite of the fact that some of you have denied me, I'm here and I'm offering you peace. The Hebrew word for that is shalom. And it means a wholeness, a completeness. It just doesn't mean the absence of war, but it means to be a complete, to be whole. He says, I'm offering you wholeness. But he doesn't stop there. He, he doesn't simply say, now I've come to give you peace, but I've also come in spite of all that you've done, in spite of all of your failures, I've come to offer you peace and I've offered, uh, come to offer you a mission. He says, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you that you're gonna go in my place. You're gonna go now into the world. You're gonna proclaim the resurrection. Well, now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twins, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see his hands, I see in his hands the mark of the nails and, the play, and place my finger on the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Thomas is saying, my heart has been broken. My life has been destroyed. I gave up everything to follow Jesus. I, give, I gave it all away, everything that I was. And, and Thomas gets a bad rap. We call him Doubting Thomas, right? You probably, some of you probably called your kids a Doubting Thomas before. It's sort of a cliche we use. That's where it came from. It came from this Thomas. But here's what his situation was. He'd lost everything for the sake of Jesus. He was following the Messiah and Christ died and, and now he's in hiding and his world has been torn apart. His world has been crushed. It wasn't anything that he expected. He had these huge expectations for what his life was gonna look like and now it was a train wreck. Now it was a disaster. Have you ever had that experience that you had this idea of what your life was supposed to look like, the, the direction that your life was supposed to go and, and now you don't know what to believe anymore because nothing's worked out the way that you thought it was supposed to. That was Thomas. And he said, I don't think I can believe again unless I see him, unless I can touch the nail prints in his hands, unless I can touch the place in his side where their spear pierced him. I don't know if I can do this again. But here's what it says. Although the doors were locked again, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not, believe, do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. He didn't say, oh, wow, it's Jesus. How cool. He said, my Lord and my God, the God of the universe has entered this place. The resurrected Christ, this changes everything. This is not what I expected. This is amazing. This is bigger and more powerful than I ever dreamed. My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's us. That's us this morning. Blessed are those who have not seen but believed. You know, the resurrection is filled with promises of the past. God had promised a Messiah he had promised hope and restoration and he kept his promise in Jesus. The death of Jesus set the world free from the chains of sin that had, had bound the human race to failure and destruction that had so captured us. His resurrection opened a new door to a new future. Anyone who started down the path from the empty tomb to the resurrection would walk into a new tomorrow, a new kingdom, powered 
by the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus once said himself that I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly is a big word. I have come that you might have life to the fullest, overflowing, more than you can imagine, greater than you could ever have on your own. That's, I've come to give you that kind of life, a life abundant, an abundant life. There's a recent study by uh, the Barna Research Group, and uh, uh, they, do re- they do research, they do uh, things like this all over the country, and, and they asked a group of Americans, uh, people in the U.S., what's your number one need right now? And their number one need, 70%, was a good night's sleep. That was their number one need right now, was a good night's sleep. With all of the technology, with all of the health stuff, with all of the the mattresses that we have, you know, you can pick your number, you can buy a special pillow, uh, you can prop it up or lay it back, you can do all of this stuff, and the number one need was a good night's sleep because we're so anxious, because we're so confused, because we're so overwhelmed that the number one idea they had was a good night's sleep. Well, here's another thing. We invented a new word recently. Anybody ever heard of nomophobia? It's just such a cool word. You know what nomophobia is? It is the fear and anxiety of not being connected to your cell phone. That's a word now. Isn't that awesome? The fear and anxiety of not being connected to your cell phone. Have you ever been driving in your car and had a phantom vibration? Yes, thank you. I'm driving along and I'm sure somebody's calling me and I reach into my pocket and there's no phone there. So one, I think I'm going crazy. Two, now I know I don't know where my phone is. It's called nomophobia because we're so tied to our technology. You know, there's anxiety over having the next big technology thing, figuring out what it is. There are not enough 12-year-olds in the world to help us get the technology right. So we get anxious about it. And and so we're consumed with how we feel. I I feel like I need a good night's sleep. Um, I feel like I need help with technology. I feel like I need the next thing. I I feel this. And we're we're consumed by a a culture of how we feel at the moment. And, And that's how we look at the resurrection sometimes, that the resurrection is there to make me feel better. It's to make my life go better. It's to, to make me wealthier and prettier and more famous. And, and if the resurrection is real, then all of those things should happen. It's the same exact way that people in the first century missed the truth of the resurrection because they weren't looking for the Messiah. They weren't looking for the Christ. They were looking for something to make them feel better, make their lives better. The resurrection, I said, is rooted in history, not feeling. It's rooted in truth and and not what we can get out of it. The earliest believers followed Jesus not simply because it made them feel good, but because they discovered the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the only reality that could be counted on in a world of constant change. They were people who were, uh, lived in an occupied country. They were people that often were t- taken into slavery. They were conquered by stronger countries, but they realized that the only reality they could really count on was the truth of the resurrection. And because the resurrection is true, everything changes. 
It changes everything about us. It changes how we view life. It changes how we view other people. It changes how we see the world. This is where the cross and the resurrection go hand in hand. On the cross, we're freed from our sin. We're freed from our separation from God. And in the resurrection, we get life in him, the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. And in this morning, people around the world are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. People all over in every language known to man, uh, in every possible group, in every possible situation, people are celebrating the risen Christ because it's not only rooted in our history, but it surpasses our countries, it surpasses our language bearers, it surpasses all under cir- other circumstances in our lives because the resurrection is true. Because it changes everything. People who live in heartbreaking poverty celebrate their life in Jesus, their life in the resurrected Christ. People who live in fear of military violence celebrate that their life isn't defined by their circumstances, but it's defined by the cross and the resurrection. That's the reality that matters. That's the reality that changes everything, but it's hard. And sometimes we don't want to hear the truth we, we don't want the right information because if we acknowledge the resurrection, then we have to do something about it, then everything changes. If you acknowledge the fact that the resurrection is true and that Christ rose and that he lives, what do you do with that? It changes everything about us. You just And here's the thing about Christianity, here's the thing about the resurrection, is that you can't just stick your toe in the water and see if it works for you. You, you can't just try it out. I'm going to just take a little bit of the resurrection and see what happens to my life. So just sort of make me feel warm and toasty? Does it make me feel a little bit better about myself? Is it going to make me a little better looking, a little more popular? What? Let me just try a little bit and see what happens. But for, for the resurrection to work in your life, you've got to dive in. You've got to give yourself to it. You've you got to be all in to experience that peace, that shalom, that Christ offers you to experience the resurrection in your life, you gotta jump in. And so here's how Jesus described it. Here's how Jesus described what it means to live a resurrection life. In the Gospel of Mark, he said it's three things. Jesus said, if you wanna be one of my followers, there's three things that you do. He said, you deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow me. You deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow me. Wow. I know you were just starting to like me, weren't you? I'm a nice guy. But that's what Jesus said. This idea of denying yourself, it simply means this, that we come under new ownership. Uh, Another way that Jesus, uh, that that was said in the the scriptures was that uh, the apostle Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. That I have come under new ownership. And when we think about this idea of denying ourselves or, or coming under new ownership, it talks about meaning in life. That my life used to be lived for me. My life, everything about me used to be what gives me meaning, what makes sense to me, what's going to help me. It was all about me. And when I understand that the resurrection is real, it's all about Christ. He gives meaning to my life. It's all about what it means to give myself to Him, to come under His new ownership, to belong to Him, to live my life for something that's greater, something that's more significant, something that's more important than me. We got way too many people living for me in this world. 
We need more people who are living for the resurrection. They're living for Jesus. So he says, deny yourself. Come under new ownership. Take up your cross. And the picture that we have of taking up our cross is simply this. It goes along with our identity. Deny goes along with meaning in life. And and to take up your cross goes along with identity. It's the fact that Jesus is saying, I want you to identify with me. I want you to look like me. I want you to to be with me. I, I want you to be formed in the image of Christ that when people see you, they see me that we completely identify with Jesus, that he is the picture that we want. It's not about how I look. It's not about what I get. It's not about me again, but it's about my identity is in Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul taught us that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away, and he says, behold, look, the new has come, that now we're a new creation because of the resurrection. So we come under new ownership. We find our identity in Christ. I'm no longer identified by what I do. I'm no longer identified by what I have. And I'm not even no longer identified by all the lousy things that I've done in my life, but now I'm identified by what Jesus did on the cross and by the resurrection and by the fact that I belong to him. That's where my identity comes from. It comes from knowing Jesus. It comes from the resurrected Jesus living in my life. And so we deny ourselves, we take up our cross, and then the third thing he says is, follow me. Now you follow me. One of the hard things in life, and I, I don't know about you guys, but, but when, you're, when you're starting out as adults, you, you kind of have this trajectory in mind, right? I sort of map out, this is how my life's going to go. Uh, you know, I'm going to start working here, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to move on to this, and, and I've kind of got this plan, and pretty much it's always an upward traje- trajectory in our lives. That's how my, the direction that my life is going to go, and, and you know what? It never works. It doesn't s- seem to go that way. Uh, here's what Jesus is saying to us through the resurrection that it's not about finding the right path for your life, it's not finding the right direction, but it's about who you're following. It's not about knowing where you're going, but it's about who you're following. And Jesus says, come under new ownership, identify with me, and then follow me. I don't always know where I'm going, but I know who I'm following. I'm following Jesus. And we live the shalom life, we live the peace life, we live the resurrection because, not because we know where we're going, but simply because we know who we're following. We're following Jesus. That's what he's called us to do. That's what he's given us, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him. I've shared with some of you that uh, some years ago, um, I, I took some friends and, and we went to Mongolia. Mongolia is this little country that's wedged between China and Russia. And we did the first ever in the history of Mongolia Christian camp for high school kids in Mongolia. Unbelievable. So much fun. So insane. But we shared the gospel. We shared the resurrection story with all of these kids from Mongolia that never heard anything about Jesus. And we had this remarkable response from these kids. Well, nine months later, another friend of mine was in Mongolia and he was visiting schools and he was sitting in a high school class and he asked these kids, how many of you went to that camp last summer? Some kids raised their hands that they had gone and he said, tell, somebody tell me about it. And one young boy in the room raised his hand 
And he looked at my friend and he said, a light came on in my heart and it hasn't gone out. That's the resurrection. That's what it means to live a resurrection life, that he lights our hearts. He lights up our life. He forgives us of those things that separate us from him. He gives his life to us. But here's what he says. You can't just dip your toe in the water. You got to jump in. It means giving all that you have, all that you are to who I am, to the truth of the resurrection. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Identify and choose to follow me. Know who you're following. This is the resurrection. But it doesn't happen unless we give ourselves to Christ. It doesn't happen unless we jump in. To have your life changed by Jesus, changed by the resurrection, you need to come under new ownership, a new identity, a new leader. So the question is this morning, what will you do? What will you do with the resurrection? Are you willing to jump in? Are you ready to jump in? I can't think of a better time, I can't think of a better opportunity than today. If you've never jumped in, if you've never committed your life to Christ, if you've never, and we talk about this in church, it's a sort of church language, you know, give your life to Christ, turn your life over to Jesus, commit yourself to him. I just want to tell you this morning, it's about jumping in. It's about going all in. It's about giving yourself to him, coming under new ownership, identifying with him, and then following him. And if you've never done that, I'd like to encourage you, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. And so here's simply what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And if you'd like to jump in, I want to invite you to pray along with me to allow the resurrected Jesus Christ to take residence in you, to change everything in your life, to give you the shalom, the peace life that he offers. So if you bow your heads with me, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you, that you gave yourself on the cross for my rebellion, for my sin. Uh, Lord, thank you that you, um, thank you, Lord, that you rose again and that I can have new life in you. Lord, um, I invite you into my life. In fact, Lord, today I want to jump in. I want you to take my whole life to give me new life in you, that I might live the resurrection life, the life that you offer. Lord, I choose today to come under new ownership. I choose today to identify with you, and I choose today, Lord, to follow you. And I thank you, give you all the honor and praise in Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you did pray, I'd love to, that I'd love to meet you this morning and I'll be around. I'll wander around saying hi to people. So grab me if you would. That'd be awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Listen, um, a couple of quick things too. And then the band is going to play us out this morning. I love the band. They're going to play us out this morning. So here's, we've got um, in the corner, one of our traditions here at North is that uh, if you're visiting with us this morning is that we have some prayer partners. And so if you'd like to be prayed with or for this morning, I would invite you to just wander over the corner and there'd be some people that would love to pray with you. And then also we have a table in the back under those lights and, and that's our prayer table and you can write your prayer requests down and our staff and our prayer team, we commit to praying through all of those requests uh, during the week with you. And so I would encourage you 
to take advantage of that too because we love to pray for people and so we'll do that. And then finally, if you, um, as you wander around, there's all kinds of beautiful flowers here. And if you'd like to take some flowers home, I think it's a donation to the church and you can buy those flowers and at the guest services and take some with you. Um, that would be awesome. So uh, feel free to take advantage of this. But here's my prayer for us this morning. And that is simply that we would know the resurrection, that we would know how much God loves us that all he has done for us and that we might live the resurrection life that he offers us. So they're gonna pray, so I'm gonna sign off. I love you guys. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you.